0: Maybe I'm the only person who's ever experienced this, but I have had times in my life where I have found it difficult to pray. Either I don't know what to say, or I don't understand why I'm doing it. Or maybe I've been going through a season of life where I have been praying for something to change and it hasn't. And I have wondered, what is the purpose of prayer? If God is going to move and he knows what he's going to do, then, then What is the purpose of my prayer? And why am I so bad at remembering to do it? Again, this might be just me, but all of these questions that I have recently had in my life when it comes to prayer really encouraged me to seek out some answers. Today I am interviewing Leanne McCoy, who is An expert, I guess you could say, in prayer. What that really means is she has given her life's work to studying prayer, to understanding the heart of God and how we can connect with him through this beautiful and intimate thing called prayer. Now, I will say that in this episode, we talk a lot about God. We talk a lot about faith, about Christianity, about Jesus. And so I never push my faith on any of you. But even if you are not a person of the Christian faith, I still encourage you to stick around and to listen to this podcast because I believe that you will gain hope and and clarity about some things in your life that maybe you are wanting to change. I'm so excited to share this interview and episode on the purpose and the power of prayer with Leanne McCoy. Hey, my name is Kimberly Beam Holmes, and this is It Starts With Attraction, where we discuss how to become the most attractive that you can be physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually, or as insiders call it, the pies. You can become more attractive to others, and most importantly, to yourself. We will teach you how. Let's dive in. Hey, before we get started, I wanted to make sure that you are aware of the Pies five line Friday email list and make sure that you are following me on Instagram. So if you are wanting to keep up to date on how you can be the best that you can be physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually, or as we like to call that, the pies, then be sure that you are signed up for the emails. Every single week, I send out a Five Line Friday email where I give five tips and points of how I'm working on my pies in ways that you can be working on your pies over the weekend and into the coming week. I also make sure that you stay up to date about the new podcasts that are coming out and all of those fun things. But if you want to see even more about how I do the pies in my life and what my family looks like and what we do on a day to day basis, and just me sharing my life, my struggles, my victories, and encouraging you to do the same, then be sure to follow me on Instagram, you can go find me at Kimberly Beam Holmes, all one word, that's K-I-M-B-E-R-L-Y-B-E-A-M. Holmes. So Kimberly, beam like a beam of light and Holmes like Sherlock. I can't wait to connect with you over on Instagram and on the Five Line Friday emails. You can sign up for that email list by going to itstartswithattraction.com and you can find more info there. Let's get started with today's episode. I am so excited to be joined today by Leanne McCoy. She is an author, a speaker, She is the founder of the Prayer Clinic Ministry because prayer is something that is so heavy on her heart. I've had lunch with her. I've had many conversations with her just about prayer, and it's so evident that it oozes from her. The the want and desire to not only personally connect with God, but to help other people connect with God through the power of prayer. And so we're going to talk about that today with, I guess you could say, one of the experts in prayer. With Leanne McCoy, thank you for joining me today, Leanne. Well, thank you,
1: Kimberly, for inviting me.
0: Oh yes. So, Leanne, over the years, I mean, I have I have the honor and pleasure of living near you in the same city. So, you know, we've had lunch a couple of times, and we and we've talked. Um, but but recently, I have just gotten into this place, even in my personal life, of finding it really hard. To pray and not in the sense of like I'm mad at God or there's a disconnect necessarily with God, but either it's just like mentally fine remembering is a huge one remembering to pray, or if I have someone on my prayer list, I feel like it's redundant because I'm always just like, God, you know, please be with. Cindy today. And then I don't know what, what else to say. And so I've just had a lot of questions come up, even personally. I know scripture tells us to pray, but what is the purpose of
1: prayer? Why should we pray? Why do we pray? Great question. And um, so many things, but the purpo- the main purpose of prayer is for God to answer us. And I know that's um, maybe a very simple answer, but too many times we make it very complicated and we think, oh, well, the purpose of prayer is for me to uh, be different and me to be changed. Of course, that's part of the purpose. But the main purpose of prayer is for us to connect with God in such a way that we know he's responding to us when we pray. And when we make that connection, then prayer becomes much more dynamic and less static. Um, several of the greats, I love to read the authors from way back, because if their stuff is still in print, it means that what they said was timeless. And Andrew Murray, I wanted—I did grab a, a quote from him because I love to hear what they say. He says, the purpose of, God, of prayer is for God to answer. And it, it's a long quote, but I'm going to read it because it's good. The place and power of prayer in the Christian life is too little understood. As long as we view prayer simply as the means of maintaining our own Christian lives, we will not fully understand what it is really supposed to be. But when we learn to regard it as the highest part of the work entrusted to us, the root and strength of all other work, we will see that there is nothing we need to study and practice more than the art of praying. The Father waits to hear every prayer of faith. He wants to give us whatever we ask for in Jesus name. God intends prayer to have an answer and no one has yet fully conceived what God will do for the child who believes that his prayer will be heard. God hears prayer. And so the main purpose is for God to answer us when we pray.
0: Okay. So here's, here's, here's my next question. <laughs> so this, and this is where I get kind of confused because God, knows what's going to happen, right?
1: Okay, right.
0: And so if I pray, does it change the outcome of what's going to happen?
1: Okay, this is a very common question asked in relationship to prayer, and probably one of the biggest reasons people are not that motivated to pray because, as even as believers who have a relationship with God, we totally embrace this omnipotence of God and this omniscience. You know, He's all powerful, He's all knowing, and His plans will never be thwarted. That's what Job said after a season of his life. And so, if we get in this seat of, well, whatever's going to be is going to be, then what difference do my prayers make anyway? Well, here is the the come apart of that. God has actually invited us in to a level of engagement and involvement that is very humbling and um, a little bit heady because it can be so powerful. And here's how. In God's power, perfect power, perfect knowledge, perfect love, he decided in the way that he was going to relate with mankind was to honor our free will, our independence, our ability to choose whether or not we'd be in relationship with him. And then, of course, he made a way through Jesus for us to have relationship with him. And so he he provided the way, he extended himself, he he went over and beyond to tell us how much he loves us and to communicate himself to us, but he still waits for us to reciprocate in that. And so I personally believe that in so many circumstances in our lives that God, yeah, he's all about the big, but he will also be all about the minute details of our personal lives as well. And anything that's on our heart, is on his heart. And if we invite him in to the details of our lives, he will come in. But the way we do that is we, we come to him recognizing he, you're God, I'm not. And when I come to you and I pray, I can, I can pour my heart out and and go ahead and ask exactly what I want you to do. And in that time, though, also, I have to follow the example of Jesus and say, but not my will, but thine be done, knowing that I have finite knowledge and wisdom and understanding. And that in the end, I can completely trust his infinite wisdom, knowledge and understanding. And the answer when it comes might not be exactly the way that I thought it would, because he's not going to be dictated to but he will respond. And I think there are many things that don't happen in our lives because we don't pray. For instance, um, how many churches do we see? And we knew, especially before the pandemic, it'll be interesting to watch what God's doing right now during the pandemic. But prior to the church attendance and baptisms, the ways that we measure what we're about has been on the decline. And I believe the reason is because the churches, the people in the churches don't know how to pray. And so the power and the evident presence of God is not there. And therefore, what what how does that compel anybody? Because we're just going through motions. We're not really engaging with the dynamic activity of God. And um when though, when we pray, when we enter into the hard discipline, um the approach to learn how to build a prayer life and we begin to connect with God, he starts doing things that are unexplainable. He starts b- responding to us both in our individual lives, and in the community of our faith in ways that other people can't deny. And then, you know, it, his purposes are even greater. So I truly believe that when we pray, there are things he does. When we don't pray, there are things that he doesn't do when we don't pray. Hmm. There's a great Bible verse that I kind of hinge on this for my personal life. It's Psalm 37, 23. And that verse says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. And so I believe that God does that when we invite him to, not when we don't. And so when we invite him to, and when we're entering into relationship and we struggle and we're looking for how he's working, we're going to get to see it. One of my main prayers in these past several strange weeks has been, Lord, I want to hear I want to hear what you're saying. I want to I want to have some insight and discernment into what you're up to, because I know what's happening in the world is crazy. And when I realize it's so crazy, two things that I think right away, God's um, stripping away our self-sufficiency. And, and he's totally crashed what most of us put our confidence in. And that's in the stock market and the economy and all these things going on. And so both our health is at risk and our financial stability is being attacked. And those things are crumbling. And I think in that, the Lord's saying, okay, now, now big girl, who you, who you counting on now? Like who you, who you putting your confidence in now? And that's, you know, I'm like, yes, you, you Lord, you Lord. And that's where I have such a peace because I know that God's got this. I don't know exactly what that means, what it's going to look like. But as long as I'm, and I, so I'm asking, Lord, just give me insight. Let me know what you're up to.
0: Okay. So, so let's take the example of the the world we're in right now with this going on. Yeah. So your prayer is probably a bit different than the majority of people's prayers. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure, The majority of people's prayers are like, God, uh, why or God mm. help me get a job or God like something. Yeah. Because typically we tend to pray or most people tend to pray when they're in need or when they're desperate or when they want God to do something. Yes. So even like you were just saying, um, you know, we can't dictate to or we shouldn't right, right. dictate to God what we want to happen. Do you feel like that's a lot of what prayer is for the majority of people? Yes. Like, where they're asking God, do this.
1: Right. Because, but that's not necessarily unspiritual. And in fact, I've built the whole prayer clinic ministry on that premise. Because think about what Jesus did when he was walking on earth, he went about healing the, um, the lame, giving sight to the blind, opening the ears of the deaf, bringing people back from the dead. I mean, he was meeting people at their point of need. So I don't want to say that's that is an entry level place in prayer. You know, another one of these greats from times gone by said, There are no atheists in foxholes. We've heard that said before. So we all come to God when we're in a place of desperate need. And I think it's reasonable and it is not an affront to God for us to come to Him and say, I need a job. I have lost my job. I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills next month, Lord. I'm, and and what I love about that kind of prayer, and we pray those too, is Lord, we're coming to you because we could go anywhere else looking for help, but we're coming to you. So come and show us what you can do in response to that. But I think our point of need is a stepping on place. But it also when Jesus walked about on earth, meeting those needs, when he did that, he revealed something about himself. He was showing us who he is. And that is what we want to do in these places in our point of need kind of prayer praying is enter into that, knowing that you can trust God to meet your need. And it it may look different than what you think. And he may have to grow you up. You may hold your breath and stomp your feet and pitch a fit, but he's going to respond. And in the doing, he's going to teach you something about himself. And he's going to teach you something about yourself too. And so it's so much deeper with God is like, yes, I can feed you, but I can do so much more than feed you because I can satisfy those deep things in you as well. Mm, that's good. So how do how do you go from god I
0: need or god change or god, you know, do something different into that deeper level with him?
1: It's a it's a messy painful process. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> you know, I re- I don't know if you ever saw Bruce Almighty, you know, yeah. but when he got the opportunity to be God and every, he started hearing all the prayers and he's like, yes, 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 yes. And everything people were asking was happening. And I thought, oh my word, how wonderful it would be if I could just sit down and everything I asked. But that is, that goes right back to the original sin in the first place. That's us wanting to be God. And God is like our little genie, you know, I'm God, you're not. So you come to me and I will tell you what I want. You you to do today. <laughs> and I mean, I, I do that. And God very quickly is like, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm on the throne, not you. And um, so I think the, the beauty of it is we can step into prayer that way. But then when he does not deliver on our timetable or the package that we were expecting, we then do like Jacob did. You remember Jacob in the Old Testament who ran away from his brother for good reason, because he had cheated his brother out of his birthright and had swindled his brother and he ran away. But according to God's direction, he went back. And when he went back, he was really worried about his brother because his brother was coming to meeting with 400, an army of 400 men. And that night when Jacob knew the next day there was going to be an encounter, he got alone with God. And I think a part of that wrestling was him saying, Lord, I came back because you told me to. And here I am and that's what I'm looking at and that doesn't look like what I thought it was going to look like and it's sure not certainly not measuring up to what I thought you were bringing me into and I don't know what to do. I cannot defeat this. This is bigger than me. And so he took hold to of God and wrestled with him. And I do the same exact thing when I bring a petition to the Lord or something's going on in my life that does not um equal the way I think it ought to be because of who I think God is. Like something dra- terrible has happened and it doesn't It doesn't doesn't compute. And I come to the Lord and I feel like I'm at that little brook of the Jabbok, the little fork of the river where Jacob was. And I'm like, Lord, here I am. And here's what's happening. And this doesn't mesh. So I take hold of him. And then I wrestle and I wrestle and I wrestle. And where Jacob wrestled physically all night long, sometimes I wrestle for weeks on end. And I am and I wrestle with who you are and what you do. And I'll get in the word and I'll see how you've uh, been before. And I'll press in and I'll get frustrated. And then he starts saying, well, wait a minute, let's take our time here. And let's see what um, what treasures we have in this place. And do you trust me to wait? Do you trust me to to do something maybe different than what you thought. Well, you love this person, even though they seem like they're not a good person. Like, you know, he'll start asking me all these things. And then eventually he'll come through and he'll solve the situation and make it in my heart. I get exactly what I was looking for. On the outside, the picture may be different, but I'm settled. And then I turn around to him and I'm like, oh my goodness, I have this whole wealth of, spiritual riches that I only got because of him delaying or doing it different than what I thought. And then I'm like, Oh, I get it. And then another situation comes up and I go right back to the first and struggle again. <laughs> That's <how> it works <laughs> for me. So it comes, I think, yeah, the growth comes in the trials and the difficulties of life. You know, what about
0: the people who I'm thinking of a specific, Person in my life who, um, like they would pray for God to do something. Um, like they a family member was dying. This you know they would pray for God to save them. God didn't, and it happened over and over. And this person kind of started making a tally of the things God didn't do. Right. And and in, so instead of taking those moments like you were talking about and wrestling with God and getting closer to God and growing, um, you know this specific person in my life, used it as a way of like, God is not good. God doesn't care. God's not listening. And it completely went the other way. Right. And so what do you do? Either if there's a person listening to this, who's in that spot, or your friends or, you know, loved ones with someone who's in that spot? How do you get them to see to Think about it differently.
1: Yeah, I think, and I, I think all of us have probably been in a situation where either we are that person or we we know that person. And um, I I think that Kimberly, I can't have a conversation about prayer without also acknowledging that we have an enemy that comes against us to try to discourage and defeat and distort. I mean, he does all those D words, you know, the depression, the discouragement, the all of it, and he he loves to take. A prayer, especially one like, for instance, um, for somebody not to die. And and I I had a season of my life where even at our church, we were invited by some very well-meaning church members. He said somebody was dying of cancer and they said, don't come to this prayer meeting unless you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God's going to do this miracle and save this person. And I was like, Oh, wow. You know, I mean, I didn't want to be the person that didn't believe that, but at the same time, I was like, what if she dies anyway? You know, what are we going to do with that? And the short of it is she did die anyway. And because so many people were so convinced that their faith was going to make that miracle happen, it created a barrier between them and God after it was over. And um I think, the enemy loves to extort be an he loves to be the the one who extorts those situations and cause us to look only at the fact that god did not do what was reasonable for him to do he did not he did not respond in the way that made sense to us and especially in a situation where death and i'm thinking about death or um i know a lot of people pray for their spouse to come back to their marriage relationship like that those kinds of situations where you're really Standing in good ground. And um at that point, you have to go back almost to the point I was making before that God's always a gentleman. There's always, you know, that self-imposed boundary God's given Himself, not to overstep our free will, but to work in that. And I think, especially in a situation where you're praying for somebody else's heart to change we have to know that the most God will do, and he said this very clearly to me one season when I was praying for somebody's heart to change, that he would work methodically and meticulously with what he knew of their heart, but that he would by no means overstep the boundary of their free will. And that was, in my heart, I was like, well, good, because you know their heart better than I know their heart. But it also meant that that person, if they, every time God gave them the opportunity in his methodical and meticulous work to choose him, and they chose not him, it could have made their heart harder and harder. And so they could just as easily have gone the other way and not that way, but that's not on God, that was on them. And in response to my prayers, God was doing that. And I think in that regard, when that person, finally, you feel a release and know this is, it's done. There's no reason to weep here anymore. That's when we know that God is going to grieve with us because he was in that with us and he was doing it, but because their free will caused them to go the other way. Now, as far as somebody dying, of course, we look at death far differently than than God does. And um, if we don't make ourselves stand on the edge of Uh, life as we know it and peer over into the fact of eternity, then none of our faith will ever make sense to us. And so sometimes when those unexpected deaths come, we just have to, that is a place of utter surrender. I felt like when that woman died anyway, I just threw my hands up and I said, Lord, and I was the prayer minister. I was the one they were all going to look to and try to make sense of. And I said, God, I I don't know. I I just cried out mercy because I didn't know what to do with that. And the Lord very tenderly said, I'm God, you're not. I can take care of my own glory. You don't have to. And, you know, and ultimately people have to decide, am I going to go with a God that I can't understand or am I just going to go my own way because he let me down? And, um, you know, for me, myself, I feel like Joshua when I say this, but I've decided to go with God because even when he lets me down, I know he's God and I'm not. And at some point, you know, we see in the mirror dimly. That's what Paul said right here on earth. But in the future, when we're with him, we will see clearly. And I think there's many questions we have here on earth that it's going to take the other side of eternity on the other side of the veil. And we're going to go, oh, I get it now. That makes sense to me. I get it now. What God wants us to do is trust him so much that we say, you know what? I don't get it now, but I get you. And I trust you even though I can't make sense of this.
0: How do you know and discern within your own spirit what is God speaking to you and what is not God speaking to you?
1: Okay, that's a good one because I think that's tricky too because sometimes I would pray, I'm like, Lord, is that me? Or is that you or is that the devil? Right. <laughs> <laughs> because he, he tries to trip us up too. And I honestly think for me and my background now, other people who come from a more Pentecostal background, I would answer this question differently. For me and my Southern Baptist background, I have to be more adventuresome in thinking, oh, I heard the voice of God and then kind of pursue that and act on it and see you know, what comes. Now, if I'm really, really Pentecostal and I've been taught to really trust that voice in my head, I'd say, you need to be maybe a little... Slower to pursue it, you know, and make sure it's backed up by the Word of God. And always the voice of God will never go contrary to the Word of God. So how are you going to know if you're not reading the Word of God? So I would say you have to always be reading the Word of God so that you can know if it's God's voice or not because even even the devil had the audacity to tempt Jesus and use the Word of God to do it. But Jesus was smart enough to know that that was a distortion of the word of God. And so I think that um, for me personally, I uh, just the other morning, I felt like I, several times I had passed by a certain place when I was out walking in the morning. And I felt like the Lord had said, you need to go down, you know where I'm talking about, down the railroad tracks and just um, down to this bridge because of something that happened there years ago. And it had to do with something I'm praying about right now. And I'd, I'd been past it two or three times I never went. And I thought, well, yesterday, I felt that impression again. And I thought, OK, I'm just going to go down there. Now, that for me is me hearing God's voice, you know, just saying go down there. So I went down and, um, and I prayed right there at the bridge, at the railroad tracks. And very clearly, the voice of God said to me in regard to that burden on my heart, he said, don't forget that the things that are impossible with men are possible with God. Nothing is impossible for me. Now, that did not give me the answer I wanted to the prayer that I'm praying, (laughs) but it certainly gave me a word to hang on to as I watch and see how God continues to work in that situation.
0: I love that. Thinking about just going back to prayer and maybe some barriers to entry for people, Does, does it have to be an hour a day? Does it have to be a certain time? Does it have to be certain words? Like, what does it look like? Because you were walking, you went, you, you know, I don't know how long you prayed at that bridge, but yeah. how how does it look? How should it look?
1: Okay, good. I'm glad that you asked that question. Because when I go back to the very beginning, because I realize that where I am today is, is a different place because I've built on it for a lot of years. In the very beginning, I did prayer out of pure discipline that was taught to me to do. And so the people in my life, the adults in my life at that time, when I was a young girl said, you really ought to have a quiet time for 20 minutes a day. And I was like, what the heck is a quiet time for 20 <laughs> minutes a day? And you know, then they're like, okay, open your Bible and read like the book of John and read one chapter and then look for a verse that really stands out to you. Write that verse down and then ask your question, how does this apply to me today? And that that is the basic step one of how I did a quiet time and then pray a prayer. Well, I'm trying to stretch that what I just told you into 20 minutes because you know (laughs) sometimes take five minutes for the chapter, two minutes for the verse, and a minute for the prayer. And I was like, All right, I've done eight minutes of a quiet time, you know, and that was it. And but when if you'll keep showing up for that and you keep doing that. What I'm learning is it's little bits and little bits. You grow a little bit at a time. It's just like our children. They grow just a little bit every day. And then, you know, you look back, you're like, whoa, we've come so far. And so I think the stepping on place is not worrying about. And here's what's not important. Yeah, Jesus got up early and he went away to pray. Maybe he was a morning person, you know, (laughs) and some people are not. And so somebody asked me one time, when is the right time to pray? I said, regularly regularly it's the right time to pray. It ima- I mean, just do it every day. So if you make yourself intentional about praying every day, then you'll grow your prayer life. And then to be quite honest, Kimberly, the place that I learned how to really get um, serious about prayer was inviting prayer partners into my life. Actually, they invited me into their life. And when I began to pray with two other women and and heard their prayers and how they prayed, and then I was able to be vulnerable and honest with them and pray with them. Goodness, that's when we got to the point where we could pray for 30 minutes without stopping or 45 minutes or an hour. And it was intense and it was good. But it's because I had them there and I couldn't do that by myself because I couldn't stay focused. Right. But with them, we could focus together. And so I think that, and there's all kinds of guides. I actually have a neat little guide that I borrowed from somebody else and then made it my own, adjusted it. And it's how to spend an hour in prayer. And I remember doing this for the first time I was a seminary student and I was challenged to spend an hour in prayer. And I really thought, I don't know how on earth it but you break the hour down into 5 minute segments mm. and you really you can do it because it gives you specific instruction for every 5 minutes and it's just a beautiful tool to help you and I don't use that tool every day but it's a great tool to help you focus in and have that experience of a prolonged time of prayer
0: I love that it's and even just knowing it's something you can grow into is helpful because for me, and I know this won't be the the same for everyone necessarily, depending on their stage and walk. But I I love diving into the word. I love studying the Bible. I love researching it. Um, I love singing. Like I love all of the all of those forms of of worship and connection with God. Yeah. But then when it comes to prayer, I'm like dear God, be with these people. And and I'm like, what else do I say? Right. A couple of weeks ago, I was like, okay, I need to, I need to be more intentional about prayer on a daily basis, because unless there's something I'm in need of, I feel like it's one of the last things I think to do on a daily basis because I do all this other stuff. So I don't necessarily feel like I'm lacking. But then that's why I was like, I need to talk to Leanne and see like, what is the purpose? You know, God hears us and connecting with God and hearing from God. Um, So I started writing down and I just took like different people's names. And I went through my calendar and I just wrote their name on each day. And I thought this was going to be life changing. I was like, I have a person to pray for. And it may, it, it's been a starting point, but here's what has happened. It's like, I see their name and it's probably a 10 second prayer because I'm like, I don't know what to pray for. So I think of them and I'm like, God, just, you know, be with them and their family. And, and yeah. Amen. Okay. <laughs>
1: so what do you do with that? That is good. And that's funny. You'd use that as an example. One though, I want to back up and say, I, I may define prayer broader than you do because when I'm reading my Bible, that's praying. Cause I'm hearing from God when I'm worshiping, that's praying. Cause I'm, I'm emotionally connecting with God when I'm, so I think you've got a very vital prayer life. Cause you're doing all those other things when I'm digging deep in the word again, I'm just opening myself up to learn. And it's like, I'm sitting with his feet and I'm learning. So I call all that prayer, but you're talking about petition, like praying or interceding no. for somebody else. That's yeah. just a part of prayer. And, And in that part, I love that you use that example because I have been challenging. We have a team at our church that's a fasting and praying team. And they've committed to fast and pray for the needs of the church and the private needs of the pastors. And so I invite the pastors every month to put the list together. Well, on the list, the last month I read, pray that God will be with our leaders And I thought, um, and I've got to do uh, the coaching I'm doing at at our own place is, what does that mean? I went, I want to go to that pastor and say, what, what, how will you know if he is like, isn't he already, you know, So, (laughs) what are you asking for really? And I think about John chapter nine, where Jesus healed the man that was born blind. But if you remember before he healed him, he said, he said to the man, the man cries out, Lord, have mercy on me. And he said, what do you want me to do for you? And I think it's very important for us to be specific in our prayers. And so instead of just saying, Lord, be with our leaders, then what it makes us slow down and think, what do we want God to do that we can't do on our own? What do we want them to experience that would be a result of my interceding on their behalf? What do we want? So then your prayer changes to, Lord, for whatever um, burdens are going on in their lives, because see, we don't know them specifically, but God, for whatever burden is going on in their life, would you bring them a breakthrough? And that's a specific prayer, even without knowing the specifics of the situation. Lord, um, for whatever, uh, for those that may have prodigal kids, would you bring them home? You know, if they have sickness, would you bring them healing? Would you give them those answers from the doctors that they're wanting to hear, you know, or give them strength and courage if the answer is not what they want to hear? And those are kind of like in just that example, ways that you could pray with people you don't know, people that you do know. And these people might be people you love that are on on your calendar pages and that you know, then you slow down long enough to think. What is going on in their lives? And you could even pray, Lord, give me discernment to know what to pray. You know, God, let me know. Because sometimes I think he'll supernaturally let you in on stuff that maybe they've kept hidden. You could even follow some of your impressions. How many times has somebody sent you a word of encouragement or a Bible verse? And it was just perfect for right then. Well, they were just following the prompting of the Holy Spirit in their life because God knew what was going on in your life and they didn't, but they just were obedient to follow that prompting. And we can do the same thing when we start praying for other people like that.
0: That is so good. What you just said, can we pray for the Holy Spirit to increase within us?
1: Mm-hmm. every day. I think we can, and I think we should. Isn't that what Paul was praying for us in Ephesians 3, 17, and was it 16 and 17, 17 and 18, where he's, he's praying. He says, I pray that you would know the depth of God's love, the width and the breadth and the power that is yours for all the saints, and that you would be filled to the full measure of Christ. That's what he's praying. That the fullness of the Holy Spirit would fill us up. And I think that's, you're convicting me as we're talking. Like that's the kind of prayer we should be praying for our people that we're working with, the people that we live with, the ones that we um, are praying for to have a closer relationship with the Lord for that.
0: That's good. This is making more sense. The, so you said there's a petition part of prayer. Yes. Are there other parts of prayer?
1: Oh, yeah. Like, and the petition part is usually for me the easiest part because there's always something I'm wanting, you know. And I was blessed. (laughs) And I was also blessed to be a kid who grew up in a very stable home. And I think children that grow up in a stable home, it's easy for them to ask their father for things. You know, I had a good father. And so it's easy for me to ask. I think people that didn't grow up in a stable home, it's harder to petition because they probably are fighting with "Mm, what is he going to do? What's he thinking? You know, that's harder. But there are, um, Other parts of prayer. And that, of course, is the there's uh, Craig Rochelle has just written a popular book called Dangerous Prayers. And he's um, pitching to us to stop praying those easy prayers of the, you know, God, give me comfort where I'm hurting and start praying the prayers like search me, you know, see if there's any harmful way in me. Or what about the prayer of break me? Whoever goes to their prayer closet says, "Lord, I just want to be broken for you today." Like you know, I never pray that. I, I, God just takes His way with me and lets me be broken because I do pray, "Lord, not your will, not my will, but thine be done." And He's like, "Okay, then, now I can break you because it needs to be broken and this needs to be spilled out." But you know, there are prayers like that. There are prayers confession. And the prayers of confession are not for God to discover something that we're hiding from Him because He knows it already. These are prayers for us to um, acknowledge and deal with the stuff that we're hiding from ourselves. And so when I'm like, Lord, I, I confess my selfishness. And then Lord's like, let's be a little more specific about that so you can really see where you're selfish, you know, and then I have to say, okay, for my selfishness, when I, you know did such and such. And then God's like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And so I'm learning when I, and of course he's already forgiven us. He's like, of course I forgive you. But there's something sweet, even in our our lives as parents, when our children are disobedient, we don't start hating them or disown them, but our relationship with them is hindered by their disobedience, and so it's not until they can acknowledge it and come back and ask forgiveness that we can then have our relationship reconnected. That's what confession prayers do for us, you know. And then, of course, there's the prayers like you're talking about. Worship is prayer. I think that's praising. That's just acknowledging God for who He is, and when we do that. You read the prayers in the Psalms. They did that so good. They just, you, you come in and you worship. And what does worship do? It doesn't, again, it doesn't reveal to God something that he's like, oh, good. I'm glad you noticed that about me today. It's not like that. It's like we come to worship him because it puts us in the proper position to really receive from him because we re- starts talking about how good he is and we're like, oh, You've got it together. Like you've got this. That's what worship does. And then we can even ask more boldly because we've spent some time worshiping him.
0: Oh, I love this. This is so good, Leanne. This is so good. One of the things I've heard you talk about before, and I think you mentioned it um, a little bit even throughout this conversation, is about marking. You didn't say it this way, but. We ask God to do something or to move or, you know, to accomplish something, whatever that looks like. But there's an importance in documenting his answer,
1: right? Yes. Yes. So can we talk a little bit more about that? I do want to talk about that. And that's another big heartbeat of the prayer clinic ministry. The, the, The reason I'm passionate about this way of doing prayer in the church is the whole premise of it is documenting the prayers. People come in at their point of need. They have a very specific request. We help them. We help to identify that the request is specific. We know exactly what we're asking God to do. And then because we believe that God hears us and answers us when we pray, pray, we're going to stay with you until God answers. And then we're going to know when he answered and we're going to celebrate that answer. And just saying that you're going to do that helps people realize, you know what? These people really believe. It's not just, they're not just praying to make me feel better today. They are in this with me. And so we're in it and we have uh, a uh, the technology to support that. So we take every prayer request and we track with it, keeping notes, keeping meticulous notes. And it doesn't matter if it's three months or three years, we can stay with it until God answers the prayer. And um, the reason this is important is, again, because God will answer us when we pray. But what happens to us is we get all bum about it. We go and we pray about it. And then we get up, we feel a little better and we like go our merry way. And God may or may not answer that prayer. Most, I mean, well, he will answer it, but he may or may not answer the way you think. But most of the time, if you're not tracking, then you're not knowing what God's doing. And you totally miss it. And then we move on to something else that's already bothering us later. And he could have profoundly answered that prayer. But you're so burdened by something else, you don't even pause to notice. And when you don't notice, then your faith doesn't grow. And I believe, again, the enemy loves this. He loves to snag our prayer request and just throw them over to the side so that God never gets glory for how engaged and involved he genuinely is. And so this is why it's important. That's why I believe even if you're not a journaler, you should at least put whatever your request is and discipline yourself to say, what exactly are you asking? What do you want me to do for you? Is what you need to ask. The Lord is asking you and write that down and put the date and then just make yourself a column date answered and and be disciplined to go back. And when you go back and you start reading all those answers, the next time something that's really challenging your faith happens, and the devil is like, look at there. God's not going to do a thing for you this time. What's he up to? He has really let you down. You go back and you tell the devil all the things that God has already done. And the day that he is, it just builds your faith. It's I, You can tell I'm pretty passionate about that. I think that tracking our prayers and and connecting the request to the answer and then connecting that to the next time you have a request is a very powerful piece of growing our prayer life.
0: And even that is biblical in the old Testament, they would build standing stones and altars and yes. to remember
1: what yes. God had
0: done at that place. And right. golly, it is so true. When we were going through our adoption, like I, I realized how much I should have done things like this before that, but because of how heavy everything was on my heart during the adoption, I just remember thinking like, I don't want to forget all of the prayers God has answered because it was insane. The, all of the things that he did. And so I, it. I did journal and I did document that. But even after we brought the kids home, it was like, I've gotten out of that practice. You know, the season was so intense, but, um, It's like, even now, God's still answering prayers.
1: And if we would just get in a discipline to document that all the time, what I think about are the captains of the ships in the days of old, and they had the captain's log, and they would just, every day, it was part of their job, they had to say, you know, the seas were calm today. Or there was a storm or that da, da, da and every single day. I wish I had done that too. I mean, I've been at the same church for 31 years and that church has grown from eight people to nearly two thousand. And I think now who who had the opportunity to I didn't do it. But what what how cool would it have been if I could have documented our history in just a one sentence phrase every day and uh-huh. You know, I didn't do that, but it's a great idea. And even, <laughs> but, but like we're saying, I, I have a lot of times, like if there are big prayer, prayer needs that are really burdening me, you know, if we'll get in the habit of writing those down and really coming to grips with what we're really asking and then um, grow through letting that be, give it all to God, not just the answer you want, but give it all to him and then watch what he does and and patiently watch. And a lot of times just the giving it all to him opens our eyes to ways he's working that are outside of our predetermined, you know, package thing. Cause a lot, most time he's working different than me cause his ways are way better than mine and documenting helps you to see that.
0: I love this conversation. It's so, good. <laughs> so where can people find out more about you, what you do, the things you do on prayer, about the prayer clinic ministry. I mean, there's just so much, Leanne, that you're making happen. So how can people follow it?
1: They can follow me at leannemccoy.com. And it's L-E-I-G-H-A-N-N-M-C-C-O-Y.com. And there I have some online courses about prayer. One that is free, that's called um, Prayer That Makes a Difference. And it's really a 21 day course where it encourages you to invite a prayer partner and begin to pray together. So that one's free on there. And then I have some other paid courses and um, that are part of that. And then the other place they can learn more about the prayer clinic ministry for their church or their ministry is at prayer.clinic. And that's where you can learn um, more about that ministry. And then, of course, I'm active on uh, Facebook and Instagram so they can follow me there as well. Oh, that's
0: good. Thank you so much for joining us. You may, I just want to go pray now. I'm like, I'm going to get my journal, (laughs) write a bunch of things down.
1: Thank you, Kimberly. I've so enjoyed it. Yeah,
0: I love it. Here are my key pies takeaways from this episode today with Leanne McCoy. There was so much good stuff that happened in it. It's hard for me to just take three things out of this conversation. But the first thing that I took out of this and that I want to make sure you got from this conversation is to be specific in our prayers. Ask yourself the question, what is it that I am asking God to do? For me, that is a game changer because instead of just saying, God, please be with or God, please bless, it comes down to God specifically do this in someone's life, specifically move in this way, because not only then am I clear on what I'm asking God to do, but then I know how to know that it happened. I know how to know whether or not it was answered in the way I thought it would be or if God answered it in a completely different way. This was eye-opening to me. The second takeaway that I had from this was be sure to document the prayers. Write down what I am praying for. Write down what you are praying for and follow the prayer until it is answered because I fully believe that God answers prayers. And I know that beyond a shadow of a doubt, because I have been through a season in my life where everything that I was yearning for and asking God for was impossible. Every single thing that I wanted for my life and I was desperate for should not have happened. And a lot of it did not happen the way that I thought it would, the way that I maybe had initially pictured it in my mind, but God answered every prayer. And I believe with all of my heart that it would have been easier for God to literally move a mountain than to answer the prayers that he answered for my husband and I in our season of our adoption. We knew that God had put on our heart to adopt two children. We knew that we wanted both of them to be under the age of five. And we waited. And so many people Adoption agencies, social services told us that what we were asking for was nearly impossible. For two siblings, for one of them to be a girl, for one of them to be a boy, all of these things that we had asked for, that we believed because of what God put on our heart, man told us was impossible. But God made it possible. And the fact that we were put with these children who are more like my husband and I than probably any child I would have bore from my own body, I fully believe it should not have happened. And it only happened because of God. In that season, I was documenting my prayers because they were so important to me and so heavy to me. But it's a practice that I want to go back and continue to implement in my life because it strengthened my faith. And it strengthened the faith of those around me when I was sharing not only the prayer requests with them, but when I came back and I shared with them how God answered our prayers. Prayer not only builds my faith, it builds the faith of those around me. Which leads me to the third key pies takeaway that I took from this conversation with Leanne, which is the reassurance that God does hear us. He might not answer our prayers in the way that we think he will or in the way that we want him to, but he does not return our prayers empty. He does not return them void. And even the realization of knowing that I don't always have to be petitioning things to God, but even my quiet time with him, my study in the word, listening to the music, the worship music that I love to listen to, all of that is strengthening my relationship with God. All of that is prayer in some way. And whether it's the worship that I'm giving God, the praise that I'm giving God, the conversation of just daily happenings in my life, or even the petitions that I'm giving to God, he hears me and he hears you too. And he will act on our behalf. He will respond. It's up to us to make sure that we're paying attention when he does. So those are my key pies takeaways from today's episode. Friends, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Remember to go and subscribe to this podcast and leave an honest review. I love to hear from you guys. So be sure to go and do that. And it will also help more people find the podcast as well. You can always find out more information by going to it starts with attraction.com for show notes, for updates, and to join the email list so that every Friday you can get an encouraging email that specifically tells you what you can do to work on your pies so that you can become the best that you can be physically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually. Until next week, keep working on your pies and stay strong.